0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Raised to Empower podcast. My guest today is Alicia Johnson. She is a licensed therapist and coach who specializes in burnout. As a previously burned out therapist, Alicia understands the pressures and experiences many people go through when trying to do it all. She is passionate about empowering people to find a meaningful balance in their lives and learn to prioritize some of their own needs. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I had to thank Alicia at the beginning. As you can hear, my voice is a little off, I'm fighting some bronchitis, and Alicia has been very gracious to readjust our schedules to make this work. So again, thank you for, for accommodating all of that.
1: Oh, of course. Life happens. So I try to extend grace and get grace in return.
0: Yes. Yes. So for those who listen to this show regularly, they know I always start off by asking my guests, how did you get into this field? Because I always find it so fascinating how so many of our journeys are similar, but also so different. So how did you get into the field of mental health and deciding to become a therapist in private practice?
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's always like a set story, I probably should like think more about this, the more I'm like, you know, talking about myself, but I've always come back, like I've always been the helper friend,
0: you know, I
1: (laughs) was the one that people would go to to talk about their problems. And I was just like, naturally, very like empathetic from a very young age. And like perspective taking, even you know, that's not a skill that we're supposed to learn until we're later. Right. And just, I really always liked helping other people. Um, and I think at an early age, I recognized just like, you know, my family went through a lot of divorces and just certain family patterns. And so I was like, mm. well, like I was very curious about what all this yeah. meant and how other families handle these situations. And so I think a lot of just that natural empathy and then that curiosity with my own family stuff.
0: And so for you, when you got into this field, was private practice the thing you wanted to do? Or did that just kind of come along later?
1: Yeah, I was actually like against private practice for myself. the time. I was like, no, I'm gonna work in agencies. I'm such a social butterfly. Like I need to be around people. And then You know, I think this is where I think a lot of people's stories are similar, where you do community mental health and you do the things and it's like, I just got wore out. I was burned out. And at that point, I internalized it within myself. And so I thought I was the problem. I thought Mm. maybe I'm not cut out to be a therapist after all and was looking into other ventures. And it never even crossed my mind private practice. And then COVID happened and a lot of things were turning online And I was able to work from home and took care of myself more and was doing things. And I was like, oh, I actually am a good therapist. I wasn't in the best setting for myself. And so I was able to keep, you know, start transitioning into my own practice. And I'm so glad I didn't give up because it's my it's like one of my favorite roles.
0: Yeah. When I was reading your bio, you, you know, talked a bit about like you support other people in processing and working through their own burnout, but that you got to that place because of your own. Can you share about what that burnout was for you and what that looked like?
1: Yeah. And I I probably like many people, you know, I've experienced it at various points. And so I've worked Mm -hmm. in two different community mental health settings. And so like a lot of our mental health stuff, it can change depending on things. And so my first burnout, I was very, like, I felt trapped um, mm. and I hear that a lot in a lot of people who are burned out with work, they feel like there's no other options and that trapped feeling, that helplessness. And it was preventing me from really enjoying the work that I was doing. It was some of my favorite therapy work that I was doing, but those other elements, I just felt really trapped. I was, you know, coming home crying every day. And for those who know mm. me, like I'm very expressive with other emotions, but I'm not a crier. And so my partner's like, Are you, are you okay? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Um, And then the second time around, so then I switched jobs. And so it transformed. And I was like, well, because some of those issues that I was having with burnout were gone. And so I I never really clicked that I was getting burned out again. And I was getting irritable. And, you know, by the end of the day, I just wanted to lay on my couch and not do anything. And I wasn't yeah. enjoying the my, my people or really anything. And so I was yeah. noticing more of, like, that aspect. And so it didn't click as early as maybe it could have if it looked like the previous
0: burnout. Sure. Did you recognize in both of those situations, like, this is burnout? Because you talked about saying, like, I – thought maybe I'm just not cut out for this you know field did you recognize with both of those experiences I am burned out but we're kind of blaming self for it or was it not till later in reflecting that you recognized oh there's something going on here this is burnout
1: yeah definitely with the first one I didn't have that language at the time Um, Mm. so I didn't really hear a lot about burnout and so I really I kind of partially was inward, but then partially like there were these systemic things going on in that mm-hmm. workplace that I was aware of, like, this is just not a good fit. Sure. Um, and so I was like, well, this is but these few things get solved, all of my world's problems are gonna right, get right. solved. <laughs> and so I go to this other place. And I was like, Oh, no, there's still problems. And I didn't recognize it. Or the early signs I didn't recognize okay. um, as burnout. But then eventually, when I really was in like some of my, my lower points with burnout. I was recognizing that it was more systemic. Um, okay. and so, but then, and so I think it was partially still inwards though, cause I was very helpless and I'm aware that this is these larger things beyond me that I can't control. And so maybe I'm not equipped to stay in this field if I can't handle these things. Mm. So it was a little bit of both. So it was progress from the first round. But there was still that inwards of, well, maybe I'm still not enough if I can't handle these things that other people have been dealing with for how many years in this field?
0: that clearly there's some systemic stuff going on but I can't cut it like I'm exactly. not able to like navigate these everybody else is mm-hmm. or they're able to just like ride through it but there's something wrong with me that I'm not able
1: exactly to. so some growth from the first one but definitely still that voice inside my head of this is you and sure I'm out of it I can say no it's the system. And yeah. we've learned to survive the system. And some people have those survival skills that has kept them in the game for as long. But there's nothing inherently wrong with me and the other people who recognize these things.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm really excited to go more in depth with you about some of this systemic stuff, because I, I'm a big systems person. I love systems work and understanding family systems. And Um, definitely as a mom, I see systemic issues as a therapist, I see systemic issues as a woman, I see and experience systemic issues. So we'll get into like the aspect in a minute of like, what are some of the issues that maybe us as women and therapists are you know, fighting against these systems that are contributing to our burnout. But I'm curious, as you reflect back on those two jobs, what are some of the systems you saw at play that were like those contributors to your burnout, but that you were like, oh, I just, it's again, it's a me issue. Yeah.
1: A lot of it was actually even outside of the agencies that Mm. I was in. And so, you know, when I think about systems, I kind of view like this multi-layer type thing where like we're in the center and then there's like a circle above us and then a larger circle and there's like a bunch of these circles. And so, you know, I think a lot of times there can be systemic issues in our agency, which might be the, the circle above us. But, you know, especially in nonprofits and yeah. health places, those circles are even embedded in larger things because we need to get funding and we need certain all this stuff and so we were working with the school system who had their own expectations and rules we were working with some local justice systems and so how they view mental health might be very different than how we view mental health and insurance systems and just all these different people who have different roles and goals and we're all fighting each other and yeah. I was like, I alone cannot take on this insurance system. And sure. there we need funding in order to provide the services that we need. Yet, you know, I'm not a workhorse and insurance is only going to cover this. And it was just those type of things. And I think even yeah. private practice people and can run into the insurance system. Oh, sure. I hear that a lot as a source of burnout.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting to point out that, yeah, like a lot of times the systems aren't necessarily within the agency itself. Like, yes, there are systems at play and there are systems in those agencies that definitely can contribute to the burnout or like an unsatisfying work environment. But yes. those can be symptoms of, like you said, the larger systems that are contributing to just the struggle that we're already battling so much trying to support our clients that then we're like battling these larger things that are having major impacts on us and the clients that we're trying to support.
1: Mm-hmm, thousand percent. And even just like larger systems like class and, you know, yeah. if you're working in community mental health, then you might be working with high trauma, high crisis, low re- like SES. Folks and families. And then we, as therapists and helpers, we want to do as much as we can. And when we're not seeing maybe all this progress, not at fault of the clients, but at fault of these systems at play that aren't setting them up for success, I think all of that compounds on us as an individual. And we internalize that and we feel just burned out and helpless and hopeless. And that's not why we get into this field.
0: Yeah. Now, I know. Separate from your therapy practice, you also have started coaching other therapists. And do you work with people who aren't therapists or mental health professionals like around Burnet as well? Or do you primarily focus on your work in the coaching part on therapists?
1: I primarily do therapists, but mo- it's helpers in general and nurturers. Okay. So it's kind of like the common theme of folks who want to help other people mm-hmm. and give and serve in their roles and yet are tied by a lot of these systemic things. And we're not, we're fighting against these cultural norms and stigmas. And so therapist, just is my own experience. And so I have the most like tangible steps for that, but I've gotten to help, you know, nurses and veterinarians and other just coaches and helpers and moms in general who have full plates and um, it's a lot of those nurturing types.
0: What made you create that shift for you where you have the therapy practice, but you're also, you have this coaching aspect of your business or two separate businesses. What made you decide, I think I want to also do this other thing to help and support people in this other way? Yeah. I think
1: in my like therapy um, practice, I just kept seeing this pattern of people leaving their jobs. And that was the only solution that they could come up Mm -hmm. with of similar to the mindset that I was in, you know, when I was in my burnout of, well, this is a me thing. I guess I'm just not cut out for this. And we know we're in a mental health crisis and we need good helpers and therapists out there. And so it just broke my heart going on these Facebook groups and things, seeing people leaving the field at no fault of their own, but due to these systemic things. And so I wanted to be a little, I'm a very like cheerleader person. I'm very much like a hype person. And so I was like, no, we need you in this field. Like there has to be a way we can, we can find these alternative paths for you.
0: Sure. So thinking along the lines of the systems that are at play that impact us as women, women therapists, you can, we can lump moms in there if, if we want to, but like i like i said i'm a big systems person part of the reason why i started this podcast is because i wanted to be able to talk about ways that we as women therapists again whether we're a mom whether we're a caregiver whether we are solo parenting have no children want no children that there are systems at play that do impact us and contribute to burnout or contribute to making ourselves small. So I'm curious for you, what are some of the common, like as, as you get coaching clients coming to you who are women, do you see common themes of systems that are impacting them that maybe are not impacting in the same way or to the same degree as some of like our male counterparts that are also in our field?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, this doesn't mean that men can't get burned out or they don't have their right. own stuff. sure. But there's just, I think, you know, again, systems and culture, we have different norms um, and, you know, different historical things that we've been through and just different policies that impact us. And so yeah. it's like, a oh, this is right or wrong. But, you know, a lot of my women clients, even just like child care, you know, yeah. and, uh, so many things with, like, if you do have a family or you're trying to plan families, you have to think about maternity leave. And if you're yep. in an agency, that might get covered for part of it. But if you're in private practice, often many of us don't have, you know, cushy, yeah. built up, you know, benefits like that. And yeah. oftentimes I know it's changing, but the norm has often been that, like, the women are the, the caretakers of the yeah. household. And so, childcare, even the this the norm of you know if both you're in a relationship or have a partner and you both work coming home still most of the time and a lot of these these dynamics the women still get more of the the load at home and so you both are working 40 plus hours a week and then come home and it's you know the guys might be able to do more of like the resting and the playfulness, whereas women might do more of the cooking and cleaning and organizing doctor's appointments. And so I think that self-care time is really hard for a lot of women. Um, I hear a lot of guilt that people experience that they do think about taking time for themselves or that they just don't have the time because they're juggling a thousand different roles.
0: Yeah. Do you see that common, like, like similar amongst women who are either mothers or caretakers or those who don't, like, maybe they have a partner, but they don't have a caretaker role as well. Like, do you f- see that guilt feeling around taking that time for themselves or feeling like a lot of the load is still falling to me?
1: I do. I mean, definitely like it's different task, right? So I think, you know, people who have families, there's just going to be you know, you can't actually put aside your kids needs. So it's not like that's something you can just be like, oh, no, I can't really prioritize that right now. And so you might have more flexibility and freedom if you don't have that role. But I still see a lot of the cleaning, a lot of the, you know, Mm -hmm. Christmas time is coming around and holiday season. And so who does a lot of the organizing for gifts and who's going to plan doctor's appointments and just things like that. And so some of that mental load, I still see. On both, regardless if you have a family or not, and that guilt is still there, where it's hard yeah. to just take that time for yourself.
0: We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter comprehensive connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug and send scripts for your specific practice needs. So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. One of the things I've actually been talking with several guests about recently, and I've, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is to changing this, but one of the things contributing to a lot of burnout amongst therapists and stay with me, there's a thread that goes through this, but A lot of times, I mean, you talk about the insurance business that there is amongst our field, this pressure to take insurance or pressure not to take insurance and feeling pulled in either way. And regardless of whether you do or don't, the bottom line is, am I bringing enough money in, whether it's cash pay or whether it's insurance to support myself, support my family, cover my needs, cover my business needs. And that for a lot of us, We're working long hours and maybe like we're still living paycheck to paycheck, but we're, you know, afraid to get off an insurance panel or we are afraid to raise our rates. I see this so much in conversations amongst women therapists. I don't see it as much among men. And again, I'm not saying it's not there, but we struggle so much with asking more for ourselves and valuing ourselves and being comfortable saying like, no, it's okay to raise my rates or it's okay to not take a specific insurance panel or any insurance panels. And I wonder if you if you see any of like the systemic issues around the money narrative, like that's how I would kind of categorize it. And I see it as systemic because for a long period of time, like women were not really able to manage our finances or have a bank account or anything like that, right? But at the same time, we've also been taught culturally we don't talk about this, we don't discuss it, and if we are working overtime to just try and like pay the bills, that and of itself, I would I I think contributes to burnout. So I'm curious, like if you have seen. That at play in your work with clients um, or your coaching clients around burnout?
1: Oh, yeah, thousand percent. And I mean, just like a little personal story, too, of the gender differences. My partner's also in the mental health field as well. Okay. And of course, like, They get taught how to negotiate in grad school and how, you know, you should be making this much money at this level job. And I never had that conversation. And so when I went into my first job, I didn't negotiate. I felt grateful that I was getting offered a job opportunity instead of thinking that I was the asset in that situation. Um, And so I think that, and then, you know, so then to answer your question of, yeah, I mean, the money mindset can impact all of that. And I think it's too, it's sometimes a systemic way of we are nurturers and we we care mm-hmm. about things. And so I think that guilt comes into of, well, I don't know if this person can afford this. Yeah. So I'm going to sacrifice my needs of not working past a certain time or limiting my caseload or taking these lower pay insurance things because I need to help these other people instead of realizing yeah. like, we can take care of ourselves and set boundaries and we're not awful. We're not, you know, getting called B words. If we set a boundary or we're aggressive or selfish or these awful labels that we don't hear towards men a lot when they have a high fee or when they get to be confident and say like, Hey, like I'm super trained in this and I'm this great expert. We don't think that they're cocky or anything like that. We're like, wow, they just are really like well trained in their field.
0: Right. 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 They're confident in what they're, they're doing they know themselves well yeah no the the language that we use even that we like internally use around other women can just be so awful that it's disgusting in so many ways but as you're talking it also made me think about like one of the systems I think that perpetuates that mindset around the money but also around like what you were talking about where like, okay, I guess I just have to kind of accept that agency work is what I do or that like, this is all that I can make, or this is the schedule that I have. I actually think it's like our higher education system in our field that perpetuates some of that. And I see you shaking your head. What are your thoughts on that? Oh
1: yeah, no, I could probably like academia and I are not friends. It's so funny (laughs) because my partner is in academia. And so I'm just like, Oh my gosh. I so I've been, and a lot of my friends are in the mental health field. A lot of them are psychologists in academia, and they are working, you know. 60 to like 80 hour work week sometimes yeah. and just so much unpaid labor that is expected on us in the helping field that I don't see a lot of in the tech industries or no. other oh my things. Gosh, no like no. lawyers they bill for if you email them a question and it takes them five minutes you're getting a bill for that yeah and yeah. how many therapists are charging if a client asks them a question and so right. it's just this I think yeah it's our you know if we're thinking of these little bubbles around us like our higher education and that system of what we're taught and what's yeah. modeled for us and then what's expected of us is very different than I think other professions.
0: Well, and I think even like if you go down a system from like just higher education in general, but higher education in like the mental health field, where the reality is a lot of the professors, a lot of the people in higher education are of a different generation than what is coming up through school now and that there is an old school way of thinking. And like, this is not to say that someone who is of a different generation cannot be an effective therapist or, you know, has something to offer and teach. Not at all. Like I loved my professors, but I do think there's this underlying expectation, sometimes directly communicated, sometimes unspokenly communicated of, again, you're just never going to make a lot of money in this field. This is just how it has to be. I was talking with a colleague and they were joking about like their professors saying like, oh yes, I've been, I'm tenured and I've been doing this for so long and I only make X amount of money as if like, it's kind of funny. And it's like, no, that's actually really sad. Right. Right. Like that's really sad that you are talking about working 70 hours a week and having a private practice and feeling burnout, but like, this is the way it just has to be. And communicating that to students who are coming up that this is the norm.
1: Yeah. And what I've actually heard as well, like this is how it's always been, right? Yeah. And if yeah. we can get through it or if they've gone through it, then we need to get through it too. And I heard a lot of that even in the agency work of like self-care. And you know, like they would send you a webinar to watch yeah. self-care yes. and say, take care of yourself. And then anytime someone was like, Hey, I'm having a rough day, can I take a half a day or can I, you know, take this little load off of my plate? Nope. You know, we had to work X amount of hours and we mm-hmm. had to do this. So you have to do it too. So Yeah. I think it's a lot of that generational, like we had to go through this. And so you need to go through this.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting as you were talking, like, I remember I had this one class in grad school where it was actually a research class or a statistics class. I can't remember exactly what we were focusing on in the class, but I know one of the things we had to do was track a self-care plan. And I, and it was kind of unique that my peers who were in the same class, but taught by a different professor, they didn't do that. And so like when I think back, I'm like, okay, we were talking about self-care, but we weren't really talking about like, what does that look like in practicality? And then what we're talking about right now, what does that look like in these larger systems? Because I think you're so right where, especially if we work in community mental health or if we do agency work or nonprofit work, yeah, that we were told, take care of yourselves, take mental health days if you can, but then when it comes to practice, it's not really supported. So there's like this disconnect between those. And then I don't think we then say, well, I guess I just need to find a different way to self-care, but it's like, I guess there's just no Mm self-care, right? It's not like we're finding an alternative to that. We're taking in this message of well, this is just how it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But not really being able to find the gray or like, you know, they'll they'll talk the talk and say, yeah, take care of yourself. But when it actually comes into like potentially taking things off of the plate, they're like, no, 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 you can't do it here. Like you have to do that on your time. Right. It's like, we're working eight plus hours a day and like that time is already limited. And so, yeah, I think it's easy for us if we're already stressed and overwhelmed to just get defeated. Like, well, I guess it's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in your work in coaching clients around you know this idea of burnout and recognizing that a lot of times this burnout is contributed to these larger systems that again like one of us is not going to change the insurance a- industry right how do you work with clients or what do you offer to them or coach them about when it's clear that there's a larger system that's impacting their burnout what are some things that you know, if a listener is like, yeah, the childcare piece, like I'm doing the best I can, but the cost of childcare is rising, or I can't find a provider in my area. What are some things that people can do when their burnout is definitely being contributed to by these larger systems?
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do is like self-compassion work. And so that's something just because. The language that we use, I think, contributes a lot to it. And so, like, I noticed for myself when I was internalizing it and saying, well, this Mm -hmm. is me, that's going to lead, if I'm following this path, I'm going to lead to probably like a really dark space, not really have the energy to do anything and just like keep going there. But if I can shift some of that language with some self-compassion work and be like, okay, this isn't me, like I'm feeling these things and other people also feel these things. So maybe it's not a me thing. And it just like helps externalize it a little bit rather than, you know, feel like it's me. That's going to be able to help me. You know, it's not easy. I always tell my clients like this is not an easy road. This is not like we're able to like burn it down right away. And like, you know, sometimes it's slow baby steps and that's okay. That's going to give me more hope of, okay, other people experience this. This isn't me. And then that kind of helps me from going down like this awful spiral of shame and doubt. Yeah, And then I can think a little bit clearly of, okay, what do I need? I need to talk to my supervisor about this do I need to are any of my boundaries getting you know pushed against do I need to talk to my partner about maybe like helping out a little bit more or do we need a vacation and I'm able to think a little bit more clearly about what's actually going on rather than just being on autopilot and going down a shame spiral
0: sure, so sure. that's
1: huge the language we use um going into our values too I do a lot of value work with a lot of my clients both coaching and with um therapy because sometimes you know I think a lot of us are like black and white thinking or it's like it has to be us or them type thing and I'll say like my agencies weren't awful agencies there were issues with them you know there were some systemic things but I think a lot of it came down to we had different values they are business first they right. need to right. pay their employees. Right. They need to make sure that they have certain financial security in some places. They have to have a certain appearance with certain funders and contributors. Sure. That's not a bad thing necessarily, but that was not my value as a therapist. I valued right. maybe a lower caseload so I could give quality care. I valued maybe certain time management things differently, not right or wrong but they were clashing
0: and right right
1: that wasn't a good fit so we do a lot of like okay we don't even have to label them as this bad guy yeah just say it's different um and then Also, just like sometimes I'll have people draw up that little circle thing. I know this is a podcast, but if you can imagine, like I'll have people grab a sheet of paper, write their name in the middle, yeah, and I'll say, okay, draw a circle around you. That's your family. A circle around that is your workplace. Circle around that is your state. Circle around that. And what messages are you getting from these places? Sure. And so a lot of my work helps them externalize and separate. Yeah. To provide a little bit of hope for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's so, so interesting that like, again, even though we may not be like blaming ourselves for like these larger systemic issues, but we are blaming ourselves for our, our burnout, you know, that that was where you started, but recognizing like as soon as we start going into that internal spiral, it does become, you know, more directed towards self um, versus like, no, I'm working literally like uphill against this waterfall of multiple systems that are supposed to be, I mean, in quotes, supposed to be like helping me, but that really are kind of working against me. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Can I view that in a different way? So then I'm not beating myself up about something that I don't have control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if somebody was interested in learning more about your work with coaching, where can they learn more about who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, I've got a website. So it's Um, It's got all my offers. And it's definitely like a work in progress of I just love giving resources to so just lots of like, you know, if you're not quite ready for coaching, but still just need some sort of tangible information about what is this? So I think Burnout can be a hard thing to identify with. And so yeah. um, that can be a good spot to just like get more information about what is burnout. But so you can do and see if any of the offers are a good fit.
0: And I know you have a free ebook, I think, for listeners um, that will definitely have linked in the show notes. Can you talk a little bit about that workbook?
1: Yeah, it's a... So it's a self-wellness workbook. So I don't I, I love self-care and I use self-care a lot, but I think in our society it gets like misconstrued as this buzzword and it's like self-care yeah. is only, you know, bubble baths and spotted. Right. And it's right. like, no, it's just literally anything that you are taking care of yourself. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be lavish, it doesn't have to be expensive. And so it's just a A little like 10 page workbook where it's really small, tangible steps that people can do to kind of start rethinking about ways that they can take care of themselves. um, And just, you know, finding that balance in meaningful, but realistic ways, if you really are tired or busy, you know, I get
0: that. Sure. Sure. And then we'll have that linked in the show notes um, for listeners to, to check out. If people wanted to connect with you other than your website, are there other places they can find you as well?
1: Yeah, I'm very active on um, Instagram. That's probably like my favorite spot to be. Um, I try to be funny. So I don't know if any of my reels are funny, (laughs) but I enjoy that. And then the more like information stuff, if you're looking more for like blogs and resources, I've got a Facebook page that folks can stay up to date on all that stuff with.
0: Awesome. And we'll definitely have all of that again with everything else listed in the show notes. Alicia, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with me today and to talk about these issues. And again, um, I love this idea and this perspective of how burnout is contributed to by these systems because I think a lot of times, like like we've been talking about, we internalize it as an us thing, not recognizing that it's this other multi-tiered, multi-level thing that's really impacting us. So I really appreciate you, taking the time to share your your perspective on that with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.